All right. Good to see all of you here. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being a part of our day and our service. This is exciting. You know, this last, uh, last year has been a lot of things going on, a lot of different uh, things happening, a lot of trials. You have hung in there, and uh, through this, we have seen God's faithfulness just again and again and again. In fact, as I look over all the years that I've been here at this church, I've been here for 15 years, uh, church turned 19 last month, 19 years old, and just looking at God's faithfulness, how he has led us, the different turns and twists along the way. There have been many, but God has been faithful in that we celebrate. And so I'm excited to see you here. I'm excited for what the future is ahead for us. So with that, let's praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your faithful love, your persistent love, the way that you have just pursued us and kept seeking after us. Today, as we talk about you, we talk about the salvation that you have given us. We talk about the the example that you have laid before us. We think of your faithful, your pursuing, your eternal and everlasting love, and we thank you for it. May you bless our time this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. In 1993, how many of you were alive in 1993? Not all of you, we have our youth with us, so you are far from being born, but there was a song that was released, it was a number one song. Not a song I particularly love, I don't really care for it, but it, the title is, is interesting. It was by a, a man named Meatloaf, not a good band name, but it says, the title is this, I'd do anything for love, what? But I won't do that, Right? People have been asking for 30 years, what is that? What is that? And that's the mystery. He says, I'll never tell. Really meaning that you get to fill it in. You get to put that in there. Like, you could do anything. You would do anything for somebody, but there's a limit. I won't do that. And that's probably true to who we are. We have our, our limits in life. There's things that uh, when we're younger, we say, you know, I'll do all this kind of stuff, but I won't change a baby's diaper you know, things like that. But then, you know, you become a parent or you're a babysitter and you end up doing these things that you said I would never do, right? Sometimes there's maybe some of you that do it out of like love, like a deep love for the baby. But many of you do it for a deep love for yourself. (laughs) Knowing if I don't address this, it's going to get a whole lot worse, all right? Smellier, stinkier, bigger cleanup. So we, we end up doing some things. I remember when I was, you know, graduated college, the first time I was, like, living in an apartment, you know, with other guys, people I didn't really know. There was too many people crammed in this apartment just because we were cheap, you know. And you could just see how this is unfolding, right? You've been there. You know, the kitchen is a disaster. You know, nobody picks up after themselves. And I was the kind, you know, I was that person that would be like, you know, if you all just did your dish... Right when, you've, you know, right when you're done eating and put it away, we wouldn't have this. That's who I became. But I remember, like, that I'll clean the kitchen. I'll clean the floor. I'll pick up the crumbs. I'll vacuum the living room. I'll, you know, do all that kind of stuff. I'll sweep the stairs. But that bathroom, I can't do that. All right? And there are things growing in there that should never be growing. You guys know the story. You know the picture. What I learned is that nobody did that, and that was uh, the, per- the last person to leave was, you know, the person who lost all their cleaning uh, deposit. So I learned, you know, you got to be the first one out the door, uh, you know, in a situation like that. But, you know, there are things that we learn. But when I, when I read a verse like we just read, 
In John 13, when Jesus is with his disciples, and they're at dinner, and they're reclining, and then he gets up, and he takes off his robe, and he grabs a towel, and he fills the basins with water, and he takes this basin to 12 different people and washes their feet. I always think to myself, like, you know, should I do more? Are there things that I should be doing? You know, what's it look like to be a servant? Can a follower of Jesus say, I'll do all of this, but I won't do that? Is that things that servants can say? I remember probably, um, I don't know, 13 years ago or so, uh, our church, we went on our first uh, Mexican medical ministries. There were some of you that were probably on that trip. We took some of our doctors down to Mexico. We worked with a ministry that was providing health care to some people. It was a, a one-day trip. I loved it. We did it a few times, and then COVID kind of stopped that, but I really, really hope we get back to that. I think it was a great thing. I want to do more of that. But on this particular trip, it was the first time down, the first time us seeing that is our church and some other churches from the U.S. working with some Mexican churches uh, to provide health care in neighborhoods in Tijuana. And not being a medical person myself, I didn't have a lot to do, and I just said, hey, just tell me what you need me to do. Just point me in a direction. And it really came down to two things. It was uh, you you can barbecue hot dogs, right, for everybody. And I mean like a thousand hot dogs, right? You you know, my, uh, that's a lot of hot dogs. So I'm like, okay, and what's the second option? They said, what we'd really like is for somebody to, um, you know, for some of those um, patients that need it to wash their feet, um, like um, cut their their toenails, you know, just help them. A lot of them have diabetes. They can't care for their feet. We need someone to care for them. We'd really like to do that if we can. And um, you could probably imagine my response, you know, just saying, I can't do that. I'll cook the hot dogs. I know how to handle a grill. Um, for a, probably a month, I smelled like hot dogs, you know. So, um, so that was that. But, but I, I was thinking in my mind, like, nobody's going to do that one. Like, they won't have that service available. But a little later on, I saw three ladies that volunteered for it. Three ladies that said, we'll do that. And they spent their days on their knees in front of patients that were sitting on a chair, uh, cutting toenails, filing, cleaning feet. And even now, 13 years later, when I look back at like what a servant looks like, what does it mean that, you know, the greatest will be the last, those kinds of things. I think of these ladies. I don't know their name. I couldn't point them out in the crowd, but I have that picture of them in my mind. It's such a a beautiful thing, and it's a blessing. And in our passage today, Jesus is saying, if you want to be blessed, here's how you do it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the blessing is. It's not that hard. All right? Uh, We we all want that. We always pray for that, you know? Um, We pray for people to be blessed. And when someone says, how can I pray for you? Oh, just that God will bless me. But Jesus says, all right, you you want a blessing, then be a blessing. Here's the example that I give you. We're in a sermon series right now called Encountering Jesus. And we're just looking at the book of Jesus, at the book of John, where Jesus encounters different people. We looked at the wedding, we looked at a Pharisee, we looked at a, a woman from Samaria. And now we're going to skip to chapter 13. We'll go back uh, next week, but we're going to skip to chapter 13 where Jesus has an interaction with his disciples. Right? His disciples. The two of them are really listed. You have Peter, and you have Judas. 
But all of them are included in this. They're all there. They're all having a meal together. But Jesus gets up and does something that will blow their minds. Jesus shows them what it looks like for God to kneel before them. Jesus shows them what it looks like for a God to be a servant, for a God to sacrifice in front of them. He'd already told them, you know, this is what I want for you. Uh, He had already been talking about, hey, this is the way the world works. The Gentiles, they have like structures and they're always fighting to be the top, right? But he says, not in my kingdom. That's not the structure, He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. He's kind of saying, hey, different. In the kingdom of God, we're not after that status and being on the top. It's about coming as a servant. It's about getting low. And so he had talked to them already. They they knew it, but they hadn't internalized it. And so Jesus today is going to give them an object lesson one that they will hopefully understand, and they do, right? But why do we need this today? It's because today we still go after this, this trying to be the top, trying to be the best. We want to be the best in our class. We want to have the highest GPA. We want to get to the best college, right? We want to be the the starting lineup, the first string. We want to be the top-performing salesman or saleswoman, We want all those things. And then that comes into the church, too. We want to be known as the person who knows the most Scripture or whatever. And you guys, pastors, are not exempt from this. Pastors, we have our own things, too. We want to be the the pastor that has the best sermons and the best donuts and coffee and, you know, all those things. We want that. And so to be reminded of a passage like this, that it's not about being the best, it's about being the servant is important for us to hear. And we've heard it different times in different ways. It's all through Scripture. Verses like Romans 12 that says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. The ESV says, Outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, These are things that we've heard so many times. But Jesus gives us today this object lesson. We see a God who kneels. We see a God who sacrifices. We see a God who loves. And so today we'll look at just those three points. The first thing, we'll see Jesus' death cleanses us, his people completely. Jesus gives an example to follow completely. And Jesus loves his people completely. So we'll look at those three things today as we frame our talk. So first, let's look at this, his death. Jesus' death cleanses his people completely. We, uh, this is chapter 13, kind of in the middle of John, but it's really this from here on out, it's just the last few hours, right? There's going to be a lot of information covered here in these next few chapters. And so Jesus knows that this, it's turning, that this is the hour, right? We've talked about that already, that when we hear that, you know, my hour has not come or whatever, when he talks about the hour, that it is referring to his death. And so now, finally, after three years of being with the disciples, the hour has come. And he's going to show them kind of the, 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 last, the last kind of test before the final, if you will, or the last lesson before the final. So he's, they're having dinner, and he's going to get up, and he's going to wash their feet. It says this in verse 4. We'll start in verse 4. He says, so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped the towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. But he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Not now, not ever, never. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord and Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. So they have the Passover meal, an important meal. They, uh, but there's a breach of etiquette. Right? They were having the meal, but there was nobody there to wash the feet when they came in. Now, why do they need uh, a foot washing? As you could imagine back then, it was not so clean. Dirt roads, kind of dirty, right? So the irrigation maybe wasn't all there, so maybe some puddles, uh, maybe some sewer kind of puddles and all that kind of thing. Um, walking around in sandals, sweat, dirt, you get the idea. Those feet were nasty. So it would be, it's, it's very proper. I mean, that happened every time. When you walk into someone's house, like a lot of times we take off our shoes, right? You take off your shoes. But they would have not just their sandals taken off, but their feet washed. So to not do it, I mean, that's, that's, all, that's like an, almost an act of war. You know, like that's, that, you have to be very like, I don't really care about you at all. Uh, to not wash feet, it was done. But it was always done by the servant. But not any, any servant, just the lowest servant, so you had kind of the older Jewish servants and then the younger Jewish servants and then you had the older Gentiles and the bottom of that pecking order was your youngest Gentile servant. That was the person that would wash the feet. But they show up for dinner. They had servants to prepare the meal, to serve the meal, to clean up the meal, but there was nobody there to wash the feet. They probably blamed Jesus. <laughs> They're probably like, dude, we couldn't afford this. This is like, uh, no, nobody thought about this. You know, why didn't anybody do this? But all of that was intentional. And they're, they're not just sitting at chairs. They're reclining. They're laying down so, they're, you know, anybody's foot is only a foot away from your, your nose at any time. You're having your lamb, your bitter herbs, and you're smelling the, the feet. So not an enjoyable meal. But that's when Jesus gets up. Was it that he couldn't take Matthew's stench any longer? No, it wasn't that. It was that this, this is... Enough time had passed, and now he was going to show them what this, uh, the example, all right? The example of like, you know how I told you the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve? I'm going to show you now. And so he, he puts on kind of the uniform of the servant, takes off his robe, puts on a towel. They would all know this, like, what are you doing? That's what servants do, the lowest servant. And then he fills up the basin, and he starts washing the feet. Eventually, he gets to Peter. We don't know where he is in the order, but Peter uh, kind of stops him and says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And he says, you're, you know, Jesus says, you know, just, just be quiet. Be quiet, Peter. Like, I'm doing something here, right? I'm teaching. Just listen. Just sit down and listen. But he's like, no, no, no. You're not going to wash my feet. And they're like, Peter, I'm trying to do something here. But Peter keeps pressing the issue. And so it takes, he takes it actually a lot deeper. What it kind of began with was just, just like a nice, like, I'm going to show you what it's like to serve, and I'm going to tell you to go serve afterwards, and we'll get to that part. But, 
But because of Peter's, like, objection, it goes a lot deeper. It goes into the spiritual realm. It goes into salvation. So Peter says, hey, you're not going to wash my feet. And remember, remember what Jesus says? He says, unless I wash your feet, you will have no part of me. You will, have, you will be cut off. It's the strong words. If you remember your Old Testament language, that's, it comes through here. You will be cut off completely. But Peter's the kind of guy that likes a deal, right? There's some of you out there, you know, he's like, well, I can get this for $15. It's like when you're ordering pizzas, like, you look at all the deals, like, I can get two pizzas and breadsticks for $15, but for $20, you know, I can get all the, you know, drinks and wings and all of that. And, and that's kind of what Peter's doing here. He's like, well, all right, if washing my feet gets me into the kingdom, what will the full body wash, you know, get me? You know, the hair, the hands, everything. What, what can I get? Like, just, if you're going to do it, do it all. I want the best deal. Remember what Jesus tells him. He says, you know, you're, you, you don't need that. If you've already had a bath, you, you don't need to have another bath. Like, you're already clean. Um, you know, imagine you're this afternoon, um, you're just in the backyard and you see a couple weeds and you just pull a couple weeds and it's time for dinner. You didn't sweat. You're not working hard. You just got a little dirt on your hands. You, know, you wouldn't, wouldn't go like, hey, before you eat, I got to shower. I got to completely shower. I got to get all the dirt off my fingers. No, you just you wash your hands, and you're good. And Jesus is saying that same thing. He's saying, listen, you, you've already been cleansed. And by cleansing, he's going deep. He's going into salvation because he references Judas. He says, you guys have all been cleansed. Now, this is before the cross, so how did that happen? But they had all declared that Jesus is the Messiah. They've all put their faith in him. And so he says, you've all been cleansed. You've all received salvation, except for Judas. You don't need to do all that again. In, in other words, Peter, you, this is not going to get you anything more. All right, in my kingdom, there's not like good Christian or you know, mediocre Christian, good Christian, and then the super Christian. You know who was baptized like eight times or, you know, held underwater for three minutes, you know, when they were baptized? Like, that doesn't get you anything. That's nothing more. You are cleansed once and once and for all. But he still washes their feet. He says, if, you're, if your feet are dirty, just, just wash the feet. In other words, you've been cleansed. You've received salvation. But stay close to me. Here, continue in the gospel, right? Just coming back, whether that's forgiveness, you know, asking for forgiveness for sins, um, just remembering the gospel, um, letting that sink deep within you. I mean, that's the idea here, that you've been cleansed, but you come back to this time and time again. I, um, I can't think of this without thinking of one of our elders, um, Dennis, over here. From time to time, Dennis and I have been talking and, and uh, just kind of sharing just about life. And sometimes I'll talk to him like, ah, oh, it's been a tough day and, you know, I feel like a failure, whatever it is. And, and Dennis has had this, he calls it like gospel talk. And he'll say this, he's like, Ethan, how, what, what's God saying to you right now? If you were to see God's face, how is he looking at you right now? Like, what is God telling you right now? And where some of us would want to say, oh, he's disappointed. Oh, he's doing this. You know, like, come on. 
Dennis is quick to remind me, like, no. He's saying, that's my boy. That's my girl. I love you. My son died for you. You've been cleansed. You're in the blood of Christ. You're wearing the robes of Jesus. That's my child. I love you. I'm pursuing you. It's that kind of talk that we need. Coming back again and again to hear the gospel remind us of who you are, how dearly you've been loved. It's the kind of talk we need to be doing together all the time. So this is where Jesus, he gets up, he washes their feet, and he reminds them that you got, you've been cleansed, but you stay close. Stay close. So this whole interaction, I'm thankful for Peter that he opened his mouth, right? Because if he didn't, we maybe wouldn't get that. I mean, the others didn't say anything that we know of. What's interesting here, remember I told you there's two interactions? There's, there's Peter and then there's Judas. In this passage, these 20 verses, it's referenced three times about Judas. And, uh, you know, Judas got his feet washed. He's, he's excited. Look at this. Man, Jesus did such a good job. He even got between the toes. Man, my feet have never been so clean. But Jesus says, but you're not clean. Here you got, you got Judas on the one side who's like, hey, I'm here. I got my feet washed. I'm part of this. I'm good because I'm part of it. I've been with Jesus for three years. I'm good. And you got, you got Peter on the other side who's like, give it to me more. I want more. I want the extra credit. You know, make it burn. You know, I, I just want more. I want to be that extra, you know, I want the 5.0 GPA. Forget 4.0 and all that. Like, I want the top. And, and Jesus is like, it's, you guys, you're both wrong. Just being here, being in the church, and just, you know, having your foot washed or whatever, getting a meal, giving your offering, um, having a, a name tag, you're part of our church, that doesn't, doesn't get you salvation. It doesn't get you salvation. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of how many people are like walking in Judas's sandals, right? That you've been here, you, you benefit, you, you enjoy, you have your feet washed, it's exciting, but your heart is far from him. You've never received him as your Savior. But likewise, I'm afraid of the other side, too. There's people that just, I, I need more. You know, I want, I want to be the top. I want to be the, you know, the, 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 the best-performing Christian. I want to have more verses memorized and whatever. I know we don't say it that way, but it's, it's that self-righteous side. Like, there's all that Jesus did, and then there's all that I do on top of that to earn more. neither. You've been cleansed. God has, Jesus has become a servant, and he's sacrificed. He went on the cross as a servant, went freely, went willingly, wasn't forced, didn't have to, wasn't because he was arrested and he was led that way. He went as part of his sacrifice. So not only just did he wash his feet, but he showed it on the cross as he hung there as a servant. So that's kind of the first part that we see. But the second part is just that what was on the surface, just the example. Jesus gives us an example to follow completely. Okay, so um, when he'd finished washing their feet in verse 12, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, 
And now he talks to them. At first, he didn't say anything. He just kind of, you know, just washed their feet. But now he says this. He asks a question. Do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand this? Was it just simply for hygienic reasons? Or was there something deeper going on? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. And in that, the teacher, the Lord, would never do this kind of thing. It's this role of a servant, not of a rabbi, a teacher. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sends him. Now that you know these things, what? You will be blessed if you do them. And that's that blessing we're talking about. You want to be blessed? He says, this is how you do it. Serve other people. Become a servant. Go low. Don't go high. Go low. So that I've set for you an example that if you do, you will be blessed. You know, foot washing in our culture today is not widely done. Different um, groups may do it here and there, but we don't do it very often. But is Jesus calling us back to that? Is he saying, like, is this the application? Like, go wash feet. Like, this is how you got to serve. I don't think it's exactly that. I think that fit in their context. I mean, with that said, I mean, it is a powerful thing to have your foot washed. It's powerful. Years ago when I was a high school pastor, we would do this, um, this trip up to Tokwitz Pines. I think they changed their name now, but it's in Idlewild. And uh, it's a camp, and we'd go just before summer, so kind of end of spring. We'd take junior higher and high school kids up there, and we would spend all day Saturday, like, raking leaves, you know, or pine needles all over, um, chopping wood, you know, that, they had, the, like, the chopper, you know, the hydraulic chopper, so it was very fun for high school boys to do. But, um, but still a lot of work, um, painting and just cleaning and sweeping and all that. And we'd spend all Saturday doing that uh, from breakfast to dinner. And we'd have dinner and we'd say, don't go back to your rooms, don't shower, don't change. We're going to have our meeting. And they'd all be like, oh, come on, we're dirty. You know, we just want to get clean. And we're like, yeah, well, it'll be quick, you know. <laughs> and we sat down and we taught on this passage. And then we said, if you look around, there are basins and sponges and towels. And we're going to do it. We're going to wash feet. It's incredibly awkward for anybody, but you put junior high and high school kids in there to wash other's feet. It's really awkward. And it takes a long time to kind of get it going. But I'm telling you, when we do it, every time when it did get going, it was powerful. And that was like 20 years ago. And I don't remember what people's feet look like. I don't remember the smell. I don't remember, you know, any of that. But I remember the emotion. People are crying. Now, I remember I asking this. It's like, is it harder to wash someone's feet or to have your foot washed? They're, they're both hard. And it's different people. You know, it's different. But there's something really beautiful about that. And I don't have basins here. You're probably like looking around like (laughs) under the pews. What's going on? I don't have them, so we're not going to do that today. But probably should have, you know. But this might be something for your family to do. Maybe your small group. 
youth group, you know, somewhere along the lines. Like there's, there's something really beautiful about it because it teaches you about yourself. You know, there's some people that like to um, give and there's people that like to receive, you know, but, you know, think of it like this. When you're sick, you know, and someone brings you a meal, how do you receive it? You know, would you rather be the person giving a meal to someone sick or receiving a meal when you're sick? Probably a lot of you would be like, I'd rather give it to somebody. It's harder to receive. But there's a spiritual act in both of those. There's a, it's a real spiritual thing to, to receive from somebody, to receive grace. We, we're easy to give grace and give love, but it's sometimes harder to receive it. But things like this, they teach us that. They teach us a lot about our pride. But here's that example of Jesus. And I, I, like I said, it's probably not just about foot washing. And it's, about, it's more about the person and what they're doing. About stooping down and doing something that might be beneath you. Might be, you know, something that, that you, do, you shouldn't be doing. Let somebody else, that's somebody else's job. It's that attitude of doing that kind of thing. And imagine you come home today and... Uh, there in your home is, you know, someone from church, you know, um, cleaning up your house. You know, they're in your bathroom like, almost done. Just, just going to get here, you know, behind the toilet. I'm going to do your car next. You know, I'm going to wash. I'm going to vacuum it out. And there's a lot of Cheerios in there and some other weird things. Um, that, it, that would be powerful. And you would probably not receive it well. You'd probably be like, okay, I'm doing your house next week. You know, then we'll be even or whatever. But the point, though, he's saying, in my kingdom, we're not about trying to be served. We're all about serving others. So how can you serve others? Who are the people in your life that you can serve? That you, I mean, it might be roommates. It might be friends. It might be family members. What can you do just to serve them? And it, 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 it might be a big thing. It might be a small thing. But even those little small things that just bring a blessing to somebody, just to encourage them, are all important. So there's big things that we can do, big acts of love. But in God's kingdom, it's those, but it's those little small acts of just trying to see what is around. Who can I serve? Who can I minister to? Who can I bless? What's the motivation? We always got to talk about the motivation, right? Um, the motivation is you could probably guess from what Jesus has already said and where, what you know about him. The, the motivation is love, right? It all comes from a heart of love. Look at verse 1. We skipped over it intentionally, but I want to come back to it. This sets up the kind of stage. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knows that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. So he knew that time would come, but then look at the next line. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. From the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, he loved them. John will use this word in just a few chapters when it says when Jesus is on the cross, Remember the last thing he said? He says, it is finished. It's the same word. It is the end. I think when we see this, how did he love them? He loved them to the end. He loved them into salvation. He loved them to the cross. 
but he would even go further. He loves them completely, always, and forever. We know the end. When is the end? It's when Christ comes back and eternity begins. He loves us always. He didn't tolerate them to the end. He wasn't frustrated with them or put up with them. He loved them to the end. And he says, just as I've done this for you, do that for others. But it starts with love. We've got to love each other in order to serve in this way. I mean, Paul's very clear to you. Like, you can do anything in the world. You can wash all the, the feet in the world, but if you don't do it with love, you are nothing. So it's not how great we are. It's, it's that heart that it drives it, that is behind it. I mean, Jesus is very clear, giving us an example of something that we can do every day. Every day of our lives to serve in this way. Put this image, if, if I could burn this image into your head. I mean, close your eyes if you want or whatever, but just, just think this. We have a God. We serve a God and, and th th that loves us. We, we serve a God who kneels before us, who kneels to wash our feet God who kneels to wash our feet with love. But we also we have a God who washes the feet of his enemies. Remember, he washed Judas' feet too. And so we might say, well, how far does this go? Is this just to love each other? Well, I think Jesus would say, you love all. You love all people. In verse 18, he talks about Judas, and he just says, he's kind of talking about, um, I've chosen you, but not all of you. But he says, to fulfill the passage of Scripture, he who shared my bread has turned against me. You know, the reference to Judas. And it comes from Psalm 41, verse 9. It says, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who has shared my bread, has turned his heel against me. Think about that. You have Jesus on his knees, washing his disciples' feet. He comes to Judas. He's washing his heel, and he's remembering Psalm 41, saying, my close friend, one who I trusted, we've shared each other's bread, and he's turned his heel against me. He's betrayed me. The one whose foot I just washed is going to go walk out. He's going to betray me. He's going to step on me. That's to the extent of his love, that he does it not just for those who are nice and clean and neat and those who, he, you know, who love him and all that, but he does it for all. What does this mean for Ambassador Church? What's it mean for us? It's a time for us to apply these things. For us to, to apply uh, two things, Right? To just to know who Jesus is, to love him and praise him every day for the salvation that he's given us. And he's offered this to you. And to live in that, to live in that gospel, have that gospel talk, keep coming back to him daily just for that cleansing, that foot washing that he gives. I would love for us just to have this great view of God and what he's done for us and the, um, the, the lengths that he's gone to show us that love. 
And I would love for us to show that love to each other. Daily, weekly, and whatever that looks like, to show that kind of love to each other, to serve, to be the servant, to sacrifice. Might be in big ways, might be in its little ways. But what would it look like to be a church that is living that way? That's washing the feet of each other, that's serving each other. I'm excited for what that will look like. What's it look like for you? So in your life today, when you picture this, this image of Jesus kneeling, washing your feet, cleansing you, what, what, what does that do? What's it stir for you? How can you share that love with other people? How can you extend that in the people in your lives? Not just, yeah, people here for sure, but outside of this, tomorrow at work, what might it look like for you to wash the feet of your coworkers or students? Figuratively speaking, right? But to show them that kind of love, to serve, to say, uh, this is not my job, this is beneath me, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and he washed my feet, I can do this too. Let's look for ways to serve. And I think we do that. You know what will happen? You will be blessed. You will be blessed blessed beyond your imagination, beyond what your wildest dreams could think of. God's going to take care of you. It's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. It's going to make you feel awkward, but it's worth it. Amen.